Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. When you think of your last disappointment, your last frustration, or anything that may have altered your mood in a way, when you dissect it, are you able to recognize that the source of your disdain was ultimately because something did not equate to the way that you originally planned? A conversation that you had with someone getting a particular meal from an outside establishment, whatever it is, you were like, bruh, okay, I'm feeling some kind of way. And it's ultimately because the source of this disdain is because this is not what I planned. So that may be more of a minuscule way of, or examples rather. But I think that when we take that mindset and we look at most of our disappointments, the truth of the matter is, it was, again, pointed back to it didn't go the way that you planned. And so lately I've been having a Moses, Moses, Samuel, Samuel situation. Because to me, when God's repeating something in your life, when he's trying to do that, <clears throat> he brings up something more than once. You kind of like, hey, I've read that here, but now I'm listening to this. And this is kind of coinciding to what I read over there. And, and so to me, what I've coined that as is if God has to repeat something to you twice, he's trying to get your attention. When he was trying to get Moses's attention, he called them twice. When he was trying to get Samuel's attention, he called them twice. So to me, twice means God is trying to get something uh for you to reveal <laughs> it's something that you need to know and it's something important enough for God to repeat himself because when we look at certain situations like Noah God didn't repeat those instructions twice Noah had to have a good understanding I don't know if he took notes I don't know if he went ahead and voice recorded I don't know how he took down all the cubic units and the gulf of wood and how many layers and where the window should be I don't know how he knew how to go ahead and and take all that that he must have the memory of all memories. He had the original uh, PC <laughs> brain. I don't know how that works, but God repeated himself once to Noah. And so I have noticed and have already just declared if God has to say it twice is because I missed it once, but it's because it's that important that he needs me to get it immediately. Yeah, there's no time to delay in obedience. Yeah, you need to go ahead and, okay, uh, I'm sorry, God, First time you didn't get my attention, but you did this again. So I need to go ahead and get this. So my Moses, Moses, Samuel, Samuel situation has been God is trying to get my attention in the area of planning because the way that I'm wired, I am a planning grandbaby. I will listen. You give me a sticky note and a pen. Watch out world, <laughs> because I'm telling you right now, who's unstoppable? Very much me. I'm, I'm talking about staying with... I am dangerous when it comes to planning because not only do I plan, not only do I follow through, but I always get results and fruit. And when you know you have that kind of anointing on you, oh my gosh, you take planning to the ultimate. Listen, I plan grocery trips, uh, stores, all kind of things. And it has always yielded fruit. So I like to do it. I love to do it. And God uh, puts the anointing on it. Why not? But the last couple of days, God's been like, I want to say something to you. Oh, my God. He's like, um, so the, the first hint, you know, the first Moses <laughs> for me was when I read in my devotional, Isaiah 30, 21. 
It says your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. And when I read that, I felt such a spiritual hug. I was like, God, you are so amazing. Because sometimes when we're planning stuff, if we're honest, we kind of omit God. It's kind of like, hey, this is what I'm doing and I'm going that way. And then at some juncture of it or at some point in our lives, we start to get a little like, ah, I don't know. And I think confusion tries to enter the chat. And I think that the remedy for any kind of confusion is like, yo, God said that you will hear him. Not only will you hear him, that he will give you direction. Not only will you give him direction, bro, if he's that close that it says right behind you, a voice will say, then that means that you are in alignment to the path that he has for you. That is so reassuring to know that I'm just not planning to my heart's desires. I'm planning in alignment to what God has for me, for his perfect will for my life. Oh, that, that does it for me. I'm not going to hold you because I've planned some stuff. That I had to then run back and find God like, Marco, <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I plan this whole thing without you very much? Because nobody told you to go over there. Nobody told you to apply to that. Nobody told you to talk to that person. I don't know what you're doing, but I stood right here till you came back. I knew you would find your way home. The prodigal son did. I said, ooh. <laughs> so note to self, uh, don't get so focused on the plan that you forget uh, the master who has the master plan. <laughs> you understand? Like, we're not doing that ever again. I was like, okay, um, lesson super learned. Then the second Moses, Moses, was a devotional I read today. So I read this devotional from Joyce Meyer called Promises for Your Everyday Life Devotional. And the verse was Psalm 37, five, and it says, commit everything you do to the Lord, trust him and he will help you. And so I was like, okay, time out. Cause now these are, these are, Mo this is Moses, Moses. Now the first one was Moses. This one is Moses. Now this is giving Moses, Moses. So like, what are we trying to do God? And then when I read it the first time, I was like, okay, very much. I liked it. And then I read it again. And the key word that popped out to me was everything. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. And I was like, if you know what? That part is, is important because a lot of people feel like, no, 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 no. I only go to God for the big stuff. Yeah, when I can't pay that, when I when the doctor says that, when such and such is in that predicament, or mm -mm, when I've done all I can do, when I've done all the doings, then I'll go to God and say, hey, uh, yeah, so this is my report. This is all I've done. Uh, go ahead and do A, B, and C. And then some people feel like, mm-mm, the big stuff I can handle on my own. I don't really, I don't see a problem with that. I give God the little stuff like, hey, you know, the little irritants of the, the people at the job, the, you know, the stuff that's like, eh, you know, eh, I, I, I could handle it, but I don't want to. So I'm going to go ahead and submit that to God and say, hey, can you help me? And while those both may have a very, very great intentions behind it, both of those are not spiritually aligned. Both of those mindsets are not spiritually aligned because Psalm 37, five says, commit everything you do to the Lord, trust him and he will help you. Would it blow your mind that God wants to do stuff as minute as help you grocery shop? Like if you had apples on your list and you went to the store and there's no apples, 
God wants you to be like, like tag him. Like, God, I wanted, I really wanted apples. That was my heart's desire. It's, <laughs> it's no apples here. And maybe the voice behind you will say, uh, why don't you try this store? And then you happen to go to that store that you usually don't ever really go to. And now all of a sudden, not only do they have apples, they have them on sale. And you looking up like, God, is it you? You see what I'm saying? But I think that's what happened. I think that we are in this proverbial wrestling ring fighting in this thing called life and got it and the holy spirit is on the sideline like uh you need some help you need some milk <laughs> like you 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 want somebody to help you and we're like oh i'll get to you until i can't get no more i'll keep swinging until i can't swing no more i'll keep taking these punches until i can't take no more and god is like but why do you get to customize or determine when i'm taggable why do you have to look that bruised? Why do you have to be that beat up? Why do you have to be that exhausted? Why do you have to be that down and out before you're like, you know what, God? Okay, let me go ahead and tag you now. Why don't you do it when you up? You ever realize that? Why don't you do it when the money is good, when the relationship is good, when everything is going well, when everything is content and satisfied to your liking? Why don't you then go ahead and say, God, you know what? If it can get better than this, cool. I'm going to tag you just because I want to tag you. Because you're taggable, sir. You see what I'm saying? Like, imagine having to watch your creation, someone that you love, someone that you made, struggle and, and do it voluntarily. Because the reality is, is that when you don't ask the helper for help, literally the advocate to advocate for you, the comforter to comfort you, it's almost like, but why do you think you can handle something and I'm built and wired to do it? And I can understand that. Because I'm built to plan. So if I saw somebody who's not wired to plan and they struggling, it's like, uh, I'm trying to get this off the ground, but I, I, I'm kind of all over the place and they don't have steps and processes. And my strong point, both spiritually and in corporate life or anywhere else is I can take a whole plan, dissect it into small steps, make it as a literally feasible and accurate for everyone to follow. By the time that I'm done putting steps together, people are like, bro, this is so much easier because it's my strong suit. It's my anointing is what I was wired to do so I couldn't imagine how the Holy Spirit feels like bro you over there crying you going to friends I'm the comforter you over there you need help and you're going to the people that you think can help you I'm the helper you need to be guided into this territory that you really don't know nothing about Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for the, for the art with me. Thy rod and thy staff that comfort me. I'm a comforter. I can guide you. I'm all these things. I'm an advocate. You feel like you're not getting heard. You feel like you're getting bullied. I literally speak to God on your behalf about things you're not even praying about. And so I'm over here watching you get demolished. And it's like, bro, at what time do you use me for what I was created to do? Like, I literally feel like the Holy Spirit is looking at us like that. Because we have determined when we decide to use him. We have determined, when, not even use, if you don't like the way that that feels. We have determined when we, have, when we want to utilize him. He's wired to make life peaceful for you. He's wired, created, purposed, soul purpose. It's to make it where you never feel alone or in pain voluntarily for the rest of your days. That's actually possible. Did you know that that was possible? 
Did you even consider that it was uh, possibly legal to, to have it that way? Not that you will have no troubles, but troubles won't trouble you. Not that you won't have any irritations, but that you would get the lesson from it more than a painful sting from it. Not that anyone, no one will ever cross you again, but that you will have discernment on how to put those people in their places faster so that they will never have to cross you in that way again. It's almost like getting the admin rights to like, oh, am I supposed to see this? Yes, because you have the access code once you accept the salvation. Do you understand that? And so back to my devotional, because I, I don't want you looking at me like that. So the devotional, I actually want to, I low-key want to read you some. I'm going to give you the first snippet because I don't be letting nobody into my devotional life. But like, I feel like we're there now. Yeah. Okay. So the title says, learn to trust God's plan for you. And I'm going to read you the first two sections. You can simply, you can simplify your life by learning to develop trust in God. Far too often, we don't allow ourselves to trust. Maybe your trust has been betrayed too many times in the past, or maybe you're in a very, you're a very independent person. Even so, it's so critical to learn to trust God. It's easy to get stressed out and run down trying to make your life work on your own, but that never works. And God's plan is always better than your own. The person who trusts God knows that his way is best. Let me explain something to you. And I'll, and I'll tell you what this really spoke to for me. I have noticed that lately I have felt more peaceful than I ever have in a very long time. And when I did a 180-ish kind of spin view on my life, I realized that most of my peace is coming from things that I never really specified in my plans. Like I always said, you know, I want several streams of income or I want to be promoted, blah, blah, blah. But I never really specified what I wanted those income streams to be, where I want to be promoted at kind of thing. And I think for the most part, there was some wisdom in that. I realized that the frustration started to look like when I tried to zone in on, okay, this particular job. I want this particular job to be the thing that I do and I want to be promoted here and I want to be the blah, blah, blah. And then so what's happening as time goes by and you start to see, oh, I don't really like <laughs> this, them, or E or the above. And then there's this internal fight of, but I planned to be promoted here. I planned to utilize my skill set here. I planned, and so there is this kind of tug and pull between your plan and the reality of your plan not really working out. And so then what do you do? Now you got to shuffle through those emotions, and now you got to feel the embarrassment of whatever or feeling like your time was wasted, blah, blah, blah. But I think that we do that way often than what we give attention to. You ever had it where you got in a relationship 
and realize that relationship is not it. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. But you look up and you gave that so much of your time and you put so much of your energy into it. And now you have this tug and pull on, do you leave because it's not working and just cut your losses or whatever? Or do you try to go ahead and do fake friendships with it? Or do you say, mm, no, I can't give up because of all that I invested into it because you made in your mind that if you was going to put some time into it, then it was going to be this relationship. When you're praying about going to the next level and becoming spouses or whatever, you're praying about this particular person. You ever looked at your finances? You're like, listen, I want to have this amount by this age. I, I want home ownership by this time. And so what we've done is subconsciously and spiritually, you've limited God. You told him that I only want home ownership at this time. Instead of opening that up and saying, God, when I can enjoy the fruit of home ownership till it's full capacity, I don't want it. I want home ownership to feel like you customize that entire experience just for me. I want somewhere that feels like home. Home feels like this for me. You fill in the blank. I want it to be where I'm not financially strained in any way. I want it to be and whatever it is that you want it to be. Tell him that and then leave whatever he's supposed to go ahead and lead you to leave it open. Leave it open. Finances. You're like, no, but I feel like I'm too old to still be making blah, blah, blah. And I feel like this. and But why don't you make it where you're like, God. I want to be increased and experience the abundance that the Bible talks about that I won't have no room for it, sir. Very much pour into me, okay? But I want you to give it to me at a time that I know what to do with money, that I'm actually financially sound, that I'm not looking to buy tangible items only, but I'm looking to go ahead and make generational wealth. And I'm looking at money differently because I want to change the way money was taught to me and I want to learn it different. And give me finances to that degree when my maturity can respect it, elevate it, and maximize it oh that's a different kind of prayer right because you can very much be that age and still have that mentality on it you still buying jordans at 63 that's what you're doing you you buying how many you oh you want a gold chain at, at what age oh okay yeah i'm squinting my eyes ain't no sun but I, it's because i don't understand that's why i squint because i don't what oh, okay you look at a relationship and you like I want to be a wife. I want kids. I want this. I want that. And But you are literally pointing to a person and saying, I want it with that person. No, why don't you open that up some and be like, God, when marriage comes my way, I want it to feel like the true covenant that you intended for it to be. I want it to be my own personal Eden before the fall. I want to feel like if the, the Bible says that a three-strand cord, can't be easily broken and what you put together no man could put asunder I want to feel every piece of that I want to feel the utopic and the blessing of what you ultimately wanted this to be whatever you intended it for it to be that's what I want to experience in my life God whatever it is that I'm supposed to do however I'm supposed to share my skill set with with corporate however you want me to do that I leave it totally and utterly in your I'm going to go ahead and just say this, sir. I'm a starfish. And I literally had to say that. I'm a starfish. Because when you look at the posture and the make of a starfish, they're exposed. It's just here I am. (laughs) 
all all of my little tentacles, you know. I'm very much giving you Patrick Star, you know. Uh, it is what it is. This is just me. And I feel like if we were to come to God in that way and say, this is what I'm thinking, but whatever you want to do with that. And so I went to what I lovingly call the planning chapter, which is Proverbs 16. And I said, I just wanted to read a little bit of that just to remind that when you're planning, if you're not doing it with God, you're not planning with peace. Proverbs 16, verse 1. We can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. 2. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. 3. Commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. And then jumping down to 9. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Now, God literally gave you the blueprint to how you plan a successful life. Oh, we love a how-to, don't we? Oh, we love a good how-to. But why don't we ever get it from um, our manufacturer default? (laughs) He gave you the how-to to plan. So let's, let's dissect, shall we? One, we can make our own plans. But the Lord gives the right answer. So God is saying, listen, go ahead and say, I want to go to school abroad. Cool. But you got to let me choose the school for you. You can say, I want to move to another state. Cool. But let me choose that state with you. Okay. Because you were you planning You don't know the plan that I have for you. And the plan that I have for you may not be maximized there. So uh, go ahead and submit that. But but let let me choose that. God, I want to be married and I want to have A, B, and C. and Cool. But let me choose the person that is going to bring purpose to that plan. Because you can make a baby with anybody. Okay. You you don't want just a feeling. You want somebody that's going to uh, cover you in a way that you like, God, I feel you, your presence. Like you had to bring this person to me. It's no way. Like, yeah, there's a certain way to do that. So God is very much like, I listen, I want you to make the plan. I do. I just don't want you to finalize it without me. I want you to tell me and know yourself enough to know this is what I want. And then let me lead you there. But the Lord gives the right answer. You ever had it where you had two jobs, opportunities, and you're like, ah, I don't know. But you interviewed for both and blah, blah, blah. And you kind of, that's when you zoom out and you go, mm-mm, God, you're going to have to choose. You're going to have to choose. I ain't going to hold you. Because I, I, I'm choosing from what I see. But I want you to choose for what you see in me. Because the money could be good, the environment could be trashy. And that's not a win to me. The environment could be awesome, but the promotions is in zero zings and got no higher. They do not exist. And so God knows some things about you and that environment that may not work for you. So that's where you zoom out and say, God, I need you to go ahead and choose. First verse said, we can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. Boom, step one. What's step one class? Step one is uh, I need to go ahead. It's okay. Understand that it's okay to make a plan, but I need to be clear that uh, God finalizes that for me. Cool. 
Two, people may be pure in their eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Sometimes you're looking at your plan and you're like, why is this not working? Because your idea of wealth is just money. Money for you to buy more things, money for you to be more flashy, more money for you to be more of what you currently are right now. And for the most part, you're like, but what's wrong with that? I'm supposed to buy stuff for money, right? Yeah, but you know what? When your heart desire for money is just to be flashy, that's like a sign of pride. Yeah, um, what I learned about pride is anything that keeps pointing back to look at me, look at me, pointing back to you, that that's pride. Yeah, anything that looks like uh, the sole purpose of this is for me to look better than everyone else. It's a little bit of an issue. So then I, you probably think, so then what is the right money posture? I want to change the trajectory of my bloodline. I want to maximize as much as I can so that I can bring opportunities and more financially information to the community. Like whatever it is, are you using your gain of money to help other people in any kind of way? Even if you were like, yo, I want to do a YouTube video on how to manage your money because the things that I'm currently doing with my money, it actually works. And so I know there's a lot of people that are hurting in this area. So my give back is that I'm going to go ahead and just do something to let people know. I'm going to hold a class. I'm going to do something. But if the idea and the ultimate goal of money is for you to own it, earn it, and then hoard it, that's not really a character or a plan that God looks like he's willing to bless. Now, your intention is, is pure. You Listen, you never had such and such, so you want to buy such and such. That's, that, that may be a pure motive, but the root of that thinking only betters you and only betters you in a way that lets other people continuously know they're not better than you. So uh, what's step two, class? Okay, Uh, because it says people may be pure in their own eyes. There's nothing wrong with that. But the Lord examines their motives. Yeah, there's something wrong with that. You may not see it as wrong. Because in and of itself, you're not hurting anyone. You're not, you know, you do anything you can for people. You blah, blah, blah. But when God looks at your heart, he's like, your motive is off. You just want that so you can buy that car so that you can pull up at the light real flashy. Like, and you don't even understand that if I give you things to make you flashy, like with the attitude that you already have, you're going to bring more attention to yourself than what you actually are prepared to have. Yeah, um, some people see flashy as a, a, an invite to take from you. Yet some people see flashy as an invite to use you. Some people see flashy in a different way than just, oh, he, she did well for themselves. So if that's what you want God to bless, if that's the character flaw that you want God to highlight, don't think that's a good idea. And neither does Proverbs. Mm -hmm. Verse two to be exact in in chapter 16. Okay, too much. We'll keep going. Um, Three. Proverbs 16, three, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. You ever try to go ahead and execute your plan? And by the time that you finish, you feel like you ran a tri-marathon, you have nothing to show for it. Or whatever it is that you can show for it looks very minuscule. Like, bro, you, you did what? 
I've been up cleaning all day. This house don't look clean. <laughs> what you, you, I worked for this company for 10 years and, and you still in that position in that pay scale. The only reason why you got an increase is because they did a cost of living adjustment. I'm sorry. So if Cola didn't exist, then you would still be drinking Coca-Cola for dinner. Oh, okay. That doesn't mean, let me explain something to you. I know a God, right? I'm, I'm not really a braggadocious grandbaby, but like disclaimer, prepare for braggadocious. Uh, I know a God that created the entire world heaven's earth and everything in it in in six days huh in six of them days and then I look at what you accomplished in six years hmm? I looked at what you tried to put you don't want me to say you it's too much. I looked at what I tried to do, uh, in six months. I looked at what I tried to accomplish, um, in, in two years and it does not equate. So it will behoove somebody to commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Let me explain something to you. You may have a natural ability to do some things great, but you don't have that super on your natural, which actually equates to anointing. There is something on you that is awesome by yourself. It's very much given deacon fab. You're a movement by yourself, but with God, you're a force when you're together. Okay. He makes you better. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, there are a couple of things that in and of yourself, I understand nobody can hold a flame to you. We get that hand clap of praise for you. However, comma, semicolon, what you need to understand is that if God is not touching and agreeing with what you're doing, it can only go, but so far. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that by yourself, Peter, you're a great fisherman, but when you touch and agree with what Jesus is doing, you can walk on water. I am sure in and of itself, women with the issue of blood for 12 years, you had all the money, you had all the doctors, you had all the things. But when you touch Jesus, that's when you got whole. I am sure that you fought some good fights in that armor saw. I get it. But watch what I'm about to do with David with five smooth stones. There is something about you probably can do it great. But when you do it with God. Oh, it's a totally different ball game. And God is literally reminding you like, yo, commit your actions to me and your plans will succeed because I, he doesn't want you going out there and just doing anything. He doesn't want you just picking any random and choosing any random major to go in college. He doesn't just want you working anywhere just to bring in the money. He doesn't want you just entertaining anyone just for the company. He doesn't want like, listen, everything that you do, do you understand that your life is the sum total of the decisions that you made? And God is literally like, I created you so that you can go ahead and do some successful things in the world I created for you. And that looks a lot like I don't want you feeling defeated. God knows firsthand how awesome it feels to set out a plan to actually follow through with the plan and yield results. That's how we met him in Genesis. He said, hmm, he hovered over something and said, you know what? I want to go ahead and create some stuff. And then he got a little busy and was like, oh, this is good. And then got busy again and was like, oh, this is good. Then he was like, you know what? I want to create man in my own image. And he got to doing that and was like, oh, this is good. So God knows firsthand how great it feels to actually have a plan, follow through with the plan, and get the results of that plan. 
Because everything that God did was for the purpose of what he intended for it to be. So there was no caveats. There was no, ah, that didn't work. Let's start from scratch. Let's do it again. Let's, ah, you know, leave room for human error, ah, any of that. It was no room for any of that. Everything that he executed, it happened the first time in excellence. He said, let there be light. It was light. He didn't come back and say, ah, that light is a little dim. Let there be greater light. That's too much. Let there be lower light. He didn't have to keep adjusting what he did the first time. And that's the thing about God. When he executes, it's right the first time. But we're human. And so we have to make room for human error. Even when we create machines to be perfect, they break down and they, you know, have whatever dysfunction to them. God is literally saying, I I don't know uh, or want you to know a plan that feels like this didn't go as intended because he experienced that. In the Bible, when they started doing their own thing around the Sodom and Gomorrah and the blah, 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 the Bible says that God looked down and he said, I regret making man. This is ridiculous. Now I got to see who I can go ahead and get to do this whole thing over again because this is ridiculous. He understands that. So you literally serve a living God that knows what it feels like to plan something, to execute it, to do all the things that's supposed to be done and to yield the fruit of, oh my gosh, this came out the way that I I intended it to be. And then you also serve a living God who also understands this is not the way that I intended it to be. And so he's literally saying, can you come to me with your actions that you have in mind so that I can help you filter to do the thing that you were intended to feel, which is this is good. After everything he created in Genesis, it and it was good. <laughs> and it was good. And that's why he kept going. The one time that he went ahead and said, uh, I regret this is because it was no longer producing the way that he intended for it to produce. So it was no longer good. God is like, I want you to save time. I don't want you with Buddy for years before you realize this is not it. I want you to come to me as soon as Buddy's like... And he's throwing the line and trying to get to know you. I need you to have discernment enough to be like, God, should I, should I be fraternizing? <laughs> you know, learn it quick. I need you to ask God before the interview. I need you to ask God before you put the down payment. I need you to ask God before you go ahead and swipe, swipe your card. Because the whole purpose is for you to be purposeful. In your decision-making, in your actions, so that it aligns with God's purpose for you. Period. And then Proverbs 16, last chapter that we're going to go over, 9. We make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And that's the one that really, really rang true for me the most. It was, can you plan it, but can you plan broad? Like, I literally want you to... Like, and, and this is coming to me now as a revelation. So when the Bible says that God was creating, it never specified the species and the, you know, he made this kind of beak and all these other things. It literally was just, he created the birds in the air. <laughs> and like, I literally want to go to it. So let's go to Genesis one. All right. And I'm gonna just read verse 20. Then God said, 
Let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. Uh, so where does it say he made the parrot and then the parrot with that color? And so as I'm reading the rest of this, it kind of feels like time out. Uh, God was very broad in his, even his determination or classification of what was happening. 24, then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground and wild animals. And that is what happened. 25, uh, God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each, an each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. So do you know what this shows me? I know that somewhere in human nature, they said, you know, you better be, you better specify what you're asking God for because, you know, you're going to get just what you're asking for. And so that made people become hypersensitive and hyper detailed in their prayers. God, I want to live in Paris at blah, 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 this, that, and the third. But the Bible doesn't say that when, when Jesus said, Hey, you need to pray like this. I never heard him say, or is it documented that he said, if you're not specified with your prayer, God going to give you something different. If you said pineapple, God's not going to hear the pine. He may give you coconut. Like you may, he, the Bible literally says that if good fathers give good presents and that's earthly fathers and how well, how great of the present do you think it's going to be from a heavenly father? So I think that we have been misconstrued because I think that God is very strategic in how he introduces a thing and for it to be the first chapter that he wants us to read. And it's like, okay, so when he made something, he didn't give details on how he made it, what color it is how he wanted how big it's going to be the wings is the parrot different from the eagle like he didn't get he said i made things that flew in the air i made things that swarm in the water there are things that scurry along the ground because what we need to understand is that you leave the details to god you leave the details to God. Maybe we weren't created to be all a part of the details. Maybe we needed to be a part of just, oh, okay, so we're just creating stuff that goes in water. Cool. Because the de as detailed as the God was, um, Adam named them. Right? That's, that's, that's all it probably did. Or that's the extent of it. But maybe what God's trying to do in your life is, I just want you to say, I want a house. And then when him knowing you and you being intimate with God and having that relationship, he knows you're not saying you want a one bedroom, six bathrooms. <laughs> he knows that. I want you to say, God, I, I kind of, I want a house that feels like this and that's da 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 this and the third. That's why when you go house shopping, nothing fits because you have a certain idea in your mind. Why don't you just leave that to God and say, okay, I know bare minimum, this is what I want. I want a house that has at least, at least, at least, but God, I want you to make it where it feels like home to me. Yeah, you, you said, no, I want a house in this area. You, why are you limited in him? What if he has the house of your dreams, but it's over there? What if he has the person of your dreams, but it's long distance? Oh, I don't, I don't do it long distance. Not forever. But what if that's how you meet the person? Well, how am I supposed to meet them if they're long distance? You let, why don't you just leave that? You see what I'm saying? Like, I think that's the problem with planning life without peace. Because at some point you've planned it to perfection that there's no room for alter, alterations. It's like, as is, this is how I want it, God. Like, uh, 
Oh, and he's looking at your plan like, pew, but if that's what you want, go ahead and execute. But that's not what I had for you. You really going hard. I want this model car and I want da da da. And it has to be this color. Do you realize that some of the greatest blessings comes in packages that you didn't plan? Jacob literally worked seven years for free for Rachel and she was barren. He didn't know that. But what he got was Leah first. He got the one that didn't have no sparkle. He had the, the other, the other sister, the grandbaby that they like, oh, she looked like her father. Like, you know, just low key. The Bible was disrespectful. So I can say that. So he got Leah, but Leah is where all the tribes came from. Leah is where Judah came from. If it wasn't for Leah, we wouldn't have most of these tribes, but he worked so hard for Rachel and upon trying to give birth to anything, she died. So maybe you're attracted to Rachel's. But God is trying to get you to see that the, the fruit is in Leah. You see what I'm saying? When you start planning life, when you start making life decisions, I need you. That's the challenge. I need you to go back to Proverbs 16. Not going to hold you. We need to hold you. I need you to read one through three. Mm -hmm. It's still in the chapter 16, one through three. And I need you to go back down to uh, nine. And I need you to see, just like challenge yourself. Like, yo, have I been planning wrong? And it's not even to make you feel some kind of way because this is, this is how we were bred. Somebody taught us how to do this. You better not pray for patience because then God's going to blah, blah, blah. They actually made us scared to pray, scared to ask. And prayer is just supposed to be a conversation, a level of communication between you and your God. So why are you scared to ask stuff? Why are you scared to say, God, I think I erred. I ain't going to hold you. God, can you give me the sermon so I don't have to err like this again? Like it, people have made it where it's, it's losing its power. Planning is your job. Perfection is not the goal. Planning life with peace equates to planning life with God. Nothing in this chapter, nothing that I've ever read in Proverbs 16 nor anywhere else said, good luck, you're on your own. I ain't going to hold you period dash god like i i didn't read that but yet we sometimes in life we execute like that and then let it not be that you don't know the steps you just don't take no steps and then you remain stagnation stagnant because you didn't know what the next step was no leave it to you it's never going to be done the way that god had in plan leave it to you it's not going to, I mean, you're going to eat, but it's not going to be the fruit that God had. And if I'm going to do something, I want to do it with some power in it. If I do something, I want it to have some purpose in it. If I do something, I want it to have, it's supposed to echo everything that God created in Genesis 1. He said, I want you to produce more of your own kind. Meaning I did this once. I did it with excellence the first time. And I did it so intently that it can produce on its own. It's going to start producing some more stuff so I can continue to enjoy what I created the first time. So if I'm going to do something, why well, I'm going to be exhausted continuing to do it over and over again? There's a way to do something where you can literally eat off of the fruit you initially planted. The problem is you plant it wrong the first time. Go back to God. The Bible says he's the gardener. Jesus is divine. Outside of divine, you can produce nothing on your own. I need you to get real clear. Clear on what the proper way is to live this thing called life. And to ultimately 
yield the fruit of planning life with peace. Do you understand? All right, listen, uh, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm-hmm. You know what these conversations are, right? Absolutely. Life-provoking conversations, conversations that not your average person okay, is going to have with you, but who? Your favorite homegirl. Listen, uh, I need you to go on createdtomultiply.com and make sure that you're keeping up with all the dope things that God has inspired me to do. Who, who's plugging in? Me, very much. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. <laughs> we talk later, okay? Absolutely will. Mm-hmm. Later.